Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' Week 5 loss to the Steelers, the emergence of Travis Fulgham, and what needs to happen to turn this season around. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm trying to still digest this agonizing loss that had happened. It just seems like it's over and over. We just see this team get within really close, and all of a sudden, the rails fall off, and it just they, they, they just lose lose the game we wind up losing this game it's just rough to see man what were your initial thoughts of this game uh you know what honestly it was one of the most fun game i games i've covered uh you know as an eagles beer reporter um this was a game that kind of showed you some fight from the eagles like they do have fight they're clearly a less uh talented team than the pittsburgh steelers uh they aren't as well coached they make really dumb mistakes but I thought this team showed that they had a lot of spunk left in them. And I, I think um, if you if you look at kind of how Carson once reacted to the first interception that he threw and then came back on the next two drives and led two touchdown drives with Travis Fulgham being the catalyst for moving the football, I think that was really compelling. I think that um, you look at the 74-yard run by Miles Sanders, there's a lot of there's a lot of negative to take away from this game, but there's also quite a bit of positive. And I think that's something we couldn't say about all the other losses and the tie against the Bengals. This is a game where you can kind of feel like maybe they're on the cusp of getting back to playing at a high ish level. Um, That's the way I took it. I don't, I mean, where, where's your head at? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's great that they did go ahead and they will were in this game right toward almost up to the end. But I think when you look at what we believe this team was heading into the season as a possible nine win team, it, you can't, for me, I just, it's tough to accept no moral victory, a moral victory like that. I mean, I mean, it's good to the fact that Doug hasn't lost a team and they've gone ahead and they still battle through this way. But when you just look at the self-inflicted penalties that we keep seeing over and over again, and you keep seeing, how the weaknesses in his defense are starting to show itself up more and more. It's, it's just frustrating to watch this time after time and time again. I mean, yeah, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know how they turn, can turn us around, even in this dreck of a division called the NFC East. Yeah, I mean, look, um, obviously the big news from the weekend is Dak Prescott had to have immediate surgery on his ankle after getting injured against the Giants. Um, It's unfortunate. You never root for injuries for anyone. Um, But clearly Andy Dalton, who helped will the Cowboys back, uh, you know, to a win against the Giants this afternoon. uh, He's clearly a downgrade from Dak Prescott. There's a reason why he was the backup there. Um, You also have to factor kind of in that, you kind of factor in that Dak Prescott was on the franchise tag and now he's probably, you know, if he's lost for the season, um, we don't want to speculate too much, but granted he had surgery right away. Um, 
you know, he's in a bad spot heading into free agency and maybe that means he moves on, what have you. The future is kind of up in the air for him and the Cowboys. Um, he's definitely going to lose some negotiating leverage there. But, uh, you know, it also kind of creates a path for the Eagles to kind of weasel their way into the NFC East crown. Um, you know, there hasn't been a repeat winner of the NFC East in forever so. Um, you know, that's a feather in the cap for the Eagles if they're able to get it, even if it's by, you know, nefarious means of going like seven, <laughs> seven, eight and one. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say, look, it wasn't a positive that Dak Prescott got injured. You never wish that on anyone. And I'm sure the Eagles would like to win the division on their own merit. But I do think this the Cowboys are exponentially worse with Andy Dalton under center. I think he's the definition of an average quarterback. And Carson Wentz showed some stuff today that showed, you know, maybe he is still in there. Maybe he is that guy still. But we'll get into that as we get into this recap show. So, you know what? Let's let's talk about the ugly from this game. Um, third down, Eagles down by two. It's the fourth quarter, you know, the Steelers are in a third and long situation and what happens? Well, Chase Claypool, the rookie who had already scored three touchdowns on the Eagles gets matched up against, you guessed it, Nathan Gary. Uh, Take us through that play, Chris. Well, what happened was that to the credit of Ben Roethlisberger, he saw this, he saw the Eagles had run that play a couple of plays ago. They look like they're going to be in that quarters defense, meaning that, you're going to have four defensive backs back there, probably right around like the five-yard line toward the end zone. Make sure nothing gets past them because it's third and long. And so Ben goes ahead and sees this and goes, wow, I have Nate Gary lined up against Charles Claypool, who, you know, the guy I've been trying to target 10 times already and who's had a great game and had three touchdowns. Why not go against one-on-one with Nate Gary and see what happens? And he, to his credit, he changed the play. And next thing you know, you have Nate Gary – being burnt by a wide receiver. And you know what? The thing is going to be is I don't blame Nate Gary on that one. I completely blame defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz on that because, A, there are a number of other different things you get. If you're worried about getting beat, you still go cover two and have more guys down there. B, why not go ahead and substitute a defensive back in there for Gary? They could say they're in quote-unquote dollar or whatever or what have you, but the linebacker's still on the field. If you see the Steelers are going empty, there's no, all wide receivers, and you still have a linebacker there, Ben Roethlisberger is not going to go ahead and he's not the Ben Roethlisberger of older. He's not going to burn you for, with his legs. So the fact that you had Gary in there, one-on-one the wide receiver, I mean, take the timeout. I mean, you had all three timeouts at the time. Why not just take the timeout? If you saw something you didn't like, I know you're behind, but you figure you had a two-minute warning and you still had to, you would have had to burn the timeout. You would still would have had a two-minute warning and two other timeouts. And if you have faith in your defense, just go ahead and burn one to go make sure you don't get burnt. And what happened? They got burnt, 35-yard touchdown. And that was pretty much the game in itself. I mean, I just don't understand what they were thinking. I mean, do you feel like it was Gary's fault? Do you feel like it was Schwartz's fault at all with this? I mean, I think it – look, I think – well, it's not Gary's fault that he's on the field um, or matched up in that way, but I do think Nate Gary is just not good enough. Um, We've said it for weeks. It's almost like, like we're banging our heads against the wall here. What does he like? What what does he bring to this defense? Like, I, I just I kind of don't get it. Um, and then, you know, Schwartz, you know, doesn't he's routinely said that he needs to put his players in the best position to make plays. 
I don't know how matching Claypool up against a, a, a linebacker who clearly struggles in coverage, even though he's considered a quote unquote coverage linebacker is the right move. But then again, you don't really have any other linebackers. You're going to put Davian Taylor out there. You can put Sean Bradley. Who's got very little experience. Uh, Alex Singleton got caught turned around on a big uh, reception by uh, Eric Ebron who caught it while he was on the ground. Like, this linebacker group's a joke, and it's just like you can't – like there's no other options, I guess. I mean, Duke Riley forced a fumble basically on accident. I mean, like he made a really poor tackling <laughs> attempt and knocked the ball loose. Like, it, it, look, this group is just not good, and they're going to continue to suffer on defense as long as that's the weak link. We've talked about it several times. Um you know, the pass rush wasn't really there. Um, the offensive line of the Steelers did a very good job of kind of limiting the 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 amount of opportunities the pass rush had in the backfield. Um, we saw some kind of dumb plays by the defense creating ter- uh, penalties. Uh, the secondary wasn't great, but then it, to make matters worse, Darius Slay got injured. We never really got an update on him. Uh, but he didn't return to the great the game, and Craig James had to go back out there. Overall, I thought the defense played whatever. Uh, I thought they had a good first half, and then the wheels fell off. Are you kind of with me on that one? I am. I think the I think the biggest thing besides that that call that that defensive call that Schwartz put on toward the end of that fourth quarter was is getting entirely frustrating seeing these defensive ends giving up contain over and over again and seeing these end arounds keep continuing to happen. I mean, it happened again. I mean, you have, and they keep saying we, they harp on it. They coach the guys up. I mean, you have to think as a, as a defensive end, if you see somebody trying to cross your face or all of a sudden you have a tackle, just all of a sudden, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to go hit you. You have to think you see your screen or something weird's on its way back. And You've seen it happen again. I mean, Graham almost got beat on another end around. I mean, they gave up that big play earlier in the game, but Graham got beat, almost got beat for another long game with a with a wide receiver running around again. It's it's the same thing we saw against the Rams. You've seen the Bengals ran ran in again, and and you're tired of hearing it over and over. The, the Eagles defender saying, "Well, they put a different wrinkle on it, but it still happens. We have to do a better job." At what point do you start having to look at and say, "Hey, you know what? A better job's not good enough," and it's just getting this defense, the defensive line, the other thing I have a gripe I had against the Bellman was they didn't put their hands up, I think, enough when when they weren't getting to that rush because Roethlisberger was getting that ball out quickly. And and to see that he was – to see if you weren't getting the rush there to begin with, just put your hands up to try to affect the pass in the lanes. I mean, the Steelers did it with wins. When they couldn't get to it, they tipped a lot of balls that way. But it's, it, I just don't know what's going on going on with that defense that defensive line right now. They had they've been getting a good pass rush, but everything else today, I, they, they they didn't show it today, and it's been rough. Yeah, I mean, I think um, and then you turn to the offensive side of the ball. Look, Zach Ertz has just not been involved. Uh, he he hasn't over the past two weeks. Um, but like, I I just don't. I don't really know what the disconnect is. Carson Wentz is not throwing him catchable passes. He seems to be kind of lethargic out there. Like there's a disconnect here. Um, And that's weird because they have been such a dynamic duo. And right now they're anything but dynamic. Um, And I think that hurt them in this game. I also think, you know, moving away from the running game 
probably didn't help them either. Um, you know, Miles Sanders had 11 carries for 80 yards. Yeah, 10 of those carries went for six yards, but he also had that 74-yard uh, touchdown run, which was spectacular in the first quarter. Um, you know, again, he doesn't – Miles Sanders doesn't really have any support. Boston Scott ran the ball once for three yards. Like, they're not doing a very good job of getting other guys involved. Uh, Corey Clement had a really rough moment in pass protection during this game. I thought the offensive line was pretty blah, but then again, this is also a really good defensive front. Yeah, I mean, uh, they gave up five. They gave up five different sacks. I mean, the offense. Yet, Wentz got sacked five times, and uh, you have to look at the fact that you know that these two of them were covered sacks. I mean, the the, off, the wide receivers couldn't get enough separation early on, and three of them were on Wentz. I mean, were on Wentz. I apologize. I guess the offensive line is. I mean, Lane Johnson left again, and I'm sorry. I think there's three straight games now that he's left. Yep. And he's with, pulled with the JP. Ankle. Yeah, he's yeah, it's, the it's bad. You get you fit you fix one side, you think you got it rectified, and now all of a sudden you have your other Pro Bowl tackle getting hurt. I mean, at, at what point do do you? Is this depth is really being tested? You can't lose Johnson again. I mean, Driscoll stepped in and did okay. I wouldn't say he he lit the world fire. I think Mylotta didn't light the world fire. He handled his own for a little bit until Dupree just blasted him in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, and then when we talk about the receivers earlier, I mean, besides Fogum, everybody else was ho-hum. I mean, how, and I want to ask you this, cause I'm, I'm still struggling at this. How do you rectify this thing between Wentz and Ertz? Because it's struggling right now. And your go-to re- tight end, your used to be your number one option. Now it's just, it's struggling. Well, I mean, look, he's being bracketed. He's being double covered. It just seems like they're not on the same page. And frankly, if they don't get on the same page, they're not winning anything. Um, We've seen this back-to-back games where Carson's just kind of hitting him like high. He's throwing, you know, the timing throws just seem to be off. And Ertz is is very dependent on timing routes. Um, it just kind of seems like that, that interception today, it seemed like there was a bit of a miscommunication, but also, um, you know, Ertz got knocked off his route and couldn't reroute. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a tough situation. I I can't put my finger on it. There's so much to talk about with that. Um, which if you're listening to this on Tuesday or on Monday, excuse me, you'll already know that I've already written about it. But, um, (laughs) so look, uh, while we're on offense, we've got to talk about some positives. I thought this was Carson Wentz's best performance of the season. Um, I know he had two interceptions in this game, but, uh, you know, I just think he looked very composed in the pocket. He showed a lot of poise. Uh, he made some really spectacular throws. Uh, he His best throw of the game actually didn't even really matter. Uh, he connected with uh, J.J. Single-Whiteside on a 37-yard bomb uh, to end the half. Um you know, which was our single white side's first catch of the season. Apparently he can only make catches that don't matter. Um, <laughs> but look, we got to talk about the emergence of Travis Flugum because this is not a fluke. Uh, he is a legit guy. I was laughing in the press box every time he caught a ball. Like he was getting open regularly and against Joe Hayden of all people. So like, look, this dude's a dude. And, you know, this Eagles team has been looking for a go- a young go-to wide receiver for five years and the last time a guy caught 10 passes for 152 or 150 yards and a touchdown uh had a stat line like that Carson Wentz wasn't in the league yet at wide receiver 
So Zach Ertz has had that stat line several times, but outside of that dude, you're not, you know, Alshon Jeffrey had a 10 catch game last year, but it was for 76 yards. So, I mean, look, Fulgham's a guy who, if he's got all the measurables, he's a guy who clearly is hungry here. They got to keep playing him. He's their ex receiver right now. I don't care if Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson's ready to come back. Keep Flugum on the field. He is a guy that you want to prove is an asset moving forward over the next 11 games. Uh, I'm all for not bringing Alshon back. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to I, give you something to debate here. Come on. Get, bring it. Bring I'm, a, the- I'm bringing to you, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, you can't – you have to bring Alshon back, man. Like, you can't just go ahead and go, nah. He, he can't do this for it. you need as as much as Wentz doesn't like to go ahead and throw into tight windows at times. You need a guy who can go ahead and have a catch radius like 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 Alshon does. And I, I just don't see how you can say like, hey, you know what? Yeah, Alshon, let, let's, we, we don't need a guy like that for it. But let's go ahead and keep throwing our Sega, our Sega white side out there. No, well, you, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying oh, okay. I, what Scare I'm saying me, is, is <laughs> like you need Flugum on the field as much as he is humanly possible that your goal at wide receiver is to figure out if he and Jalen Rager are the dudes moving forward, because frankly, look, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of young assets and that can be here long-term. They're just not, they have a lot of young players, but not a lot of guys that are proven to be long-term contributors. And if, if Flugum is going to perform like this and play this well against a really good defense, you've got to really give him a long study. And I I just kind of think like a lot of people made a big deal out of Greg Ward. He's been fine. Flugum, what Flugum did today uh, is kind of, you know, starter level stuff. Like you don't, this is, this isn't just a breakout game. This is like a legit, like coming out party. And I think, um, you know, they've been hurting for that. They've been hurting for development. And so to have this guy do what he's done over the last two weeks is a very encouraging sign. And it's like finding a dollar or five dollars in the couch cushions. Like this is a huge deal. Uh, I'm not trying to like oversell this, but, you know, if you need Alshon Jeffrey in certain packages, terrific. I mean, you're going to have to ease him back anyway. I think over the next month until at least the bye week, you need to have Flugum front and center. You can use Deshaun on the outside. That's fine, whatever. But, like, uh, I just don't see how you play guys like Quez Watkins or John Hightower, who I thought really kind of showed his lack of experience in this game. Like, he turned into a pumpkin a little bit here. Uh, His situational awareness was not great. Um, He basically cost them a timeout on that failed uh, end of first half drive because he couldn't get out of bounds. Um you know, and then he dropped two deep passes, including a touch, potential touchdown and kind of slowed down to kind of try to track the ball a few times. And it really didn't work in his favor. I mean, he's targeted six times. I feel like the four times he didn't catch the ball were all downfield strikes. Um, so he's getting open. He just didn't kind of know where he was on the field. Um, what else did you take away from the offense? Well, before I get into that one too, I'm going to counter something with this. Counter something you said. Don't you think it's important to go ahead and see what it, what you have in Watkins and in Hightower in these pressure situations, and not just focus straight focus mainly on Fulgham? Because I think you spent all this draft capital on bringing guys in like this for, and you think you have. When you, the main thing you want to go is user speed. 
and you see what they have in there, you want to know what you have because you don't have a lot of these, a lot, a lot of resources coming up in the next couple in the next couple of years because of the salary cap issue. Don't you think it's important to go ahead and check to see a guy like Quez Watkins and Hightower what they can do, especially down the stretch because you know the games are especially the way this division is. You know the games are are, are going to be tighter. You know they're going to be big, have a lot on the line when it comes to stuff. I think. Don't you think it's taught? Do you want to see what they are, have the ability to have to do when it comes to those pressure situations? Sure, but they're also rookies. They're also guys that haven't performed in regular situations. My thing, too, is, is like, if you're going to play Jack, that's furthers my point. If you're going to play Jackson and, and Alshon, you, those are basically empty snaps. If they're not going to be here next year and you're barely contending in a terrible division, You've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to keep your eyes on long-term. And and I think playing the kids is the right move, whether that's Fulgham or or Ward or, or Watkins or whatever. There's three wide receiver spots on the field. You can move guys around, but I just think what you saw from Fulgham today is really, really enticing, and it's something that they should kind of recheck and recheck and recheck. You know, it's like when I go to the store and I buy that hint water, h-i-n-t and it's like i've got it like i like one flavor i gotta go back and try another and then if i don't like that flavor i gotta go back and be like hey did i just like this one flavor so i've got to try them again i gotta try them all you know what i mean it's like you gotta know what you know propel only disagree on something wow i think we really disagree on something listen propel fitness water i think only has like four or five flavors i really like flavored water and so like I had to try hint. It was pretty good. Like with one of the flavors and the other flavor. What, what, anyway, I like the blackberry one. So if you're looking for, if you're a big water flavored water fan, blackberry, that's the way to go. Anyway, my wife doesn't like it though. So I, I don't, you know, whatever. Any, we disagree on that. We could do a whole podcast on that anyway. Um, so Jake Elliott misses a 57 yard field goal today. Uh, it was wide, right. Uh, it had the distance. Um, you know, he's been pretty dependable this season, and he was dependable last season. I'm not going to fault him for missing a 57-yard kick. That's a really difficult kick. I, I, I See, I do a little in a way. It's because he's the guy that he, he's the guy that you look for, you rely on. You, you rely on it. It's a difficult kick, yeah, but why did you give him the extension if you didn't think he was going to make difficult kicks? And especially when, fair. You, and when you have this team that really needs something, a good thing to happen for him. And he pushes it like that. I mean, the whole the snap was good. Lovato's snap was good. Good hold by Johnston. And you, you push it like that with, and it wasn't like there was that much wind. I mean, I looked at the weather reports like, was it four miles per hour max? That much wind you push it. You expect a guy like that, a, a former pro bowl kicker, my, I might add you to go ahead and make something like that. And it's, it's, it's a microcosm of all those little things. I mean, you, you have veterans, not doing a job, making mental mistakes. You got veteran a veteran kicker now. I guess a veteran veteran kicker pushing a, a field goal when you really need him to do that. And I mean, we were arguing. I mean, we were arguing about if he should come in for a sixty-one to try it as well too, because we knew he had the leg for it. So when you see stuff like that, he has to make he has to make stuff like that in order for his team to be successful. And when you don't, that's when we get to be one, three, and one. I, I think he has to make a kick like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the only bright spot on this team who's consistent is Cam Johnston. When you look at his 51.4-yard uh, punt average, which is crazy, it's it's uh, second best in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, 
again, a lot to dislike in this game, a lot to like in this game. We saw Jalen Hurts throw his first pass, connected with Richard Rodgers for an 18-yard strike. Uh, I think I predicted in my predictions a couple of weeks back that he was going to hit Richard Rodgers uh, with his first pass. So I'm, I'm pretty thrilled about that. Um, I was feeling good. I had a prediction that Miles Sanders was going to be like the first guy to run for 100 yards on the Steelers uh, in like several years at home. And, you know, they abandoned the run after he ran for 74 yards. Um I did say that Carson Wentz was going to be sacked at least five times. So I got that one right. Um, Look, (laughs) so moving forward, let's spin this forward. What needs to change in order for this team to kind of right their wrongs, right the ship and, you know, go on a run and and go maybe seven, eight and one or eight, seven and one and win this division. Cause really that's their peak. I I just, you know, I, I think Carson Wentz gave you a lot to feel encouraged about. Same with Miles Sanders Obviously, Travis Fulgham is is a guy that we're going to keep an eye on. But, like, what really needs to change here, Chris? They need to go ahead and stop the unforced the mental mistakes and the unforced errors. I mean, go back to Cincinnati, my, Matt Pryor with a false start. Go back to the offsides with Fletcher Cox today. Go back to the uncalled for personal foul and, and the sports like Connor, the 15, the sports like Malik Jackson. There are so many times you look back at this team when it looks like they have a good thing going and they shoot themselves in the foot. They have to go ahead and stop these mental errors. And they keep saying, oh, well, we're going to fix it. I mean, what's it going to take? This is where you come to your coaching staff or your leaders to go ahead and actually enforce it. And it doesn't help when one of your leaders picks up a face mask penalty late in the game. It sounds like he didn't agree with that penalty, but it has to be one of those things where he goes ahead and he, somebody has to go ahead and step up and say something, whether it be a veteran or a coach, and enforce it. I'm not talking – I don't think anybody's going to be benched. I don't think anybody's going to be benched for stuff like that for it, but there has to be something done in order to hammer this point home because if not, it's going – how many how many close games are we going to see this season where we go – you basically you are expecting now for the Eagles to do something stupid like, oh, here comes a false start or, oh, here comes a pass interference where you didn't really have to put your hand on the – hand around the hip of the off the wide receiver is so many unforced errors that it's the mark of a bad team. And they are a bad team right now when it comes to everything else like this. I mean, how do you, how do you fix all this? There's so many things. How do you, how would you fix this? Well, I mean, look, I think the play calling today was a lot better uh, from Doug Peterson and that was encouraging. Um, look, I, I think this, I've said this all season, this team needs to become a, a run first offense they need to be able to, to get this offensive line going early. They can't move away from it. It appears like that's not what the definition of this team is going to be. So I don't know how much better it can get. I don't think this is a talented team at all. I don't think they're very good. Um, they're banged up. I mean, I think, you know, that's part of the reason why I think you got to play the kids at wide receiver and tight end and, and, and really just – kind of get the the most juice out of the squeeze from the young guys because eventually you're going to have to sell off assets. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. Eventually you're going to have to consider trading Zach Ertz. You're going to have to consider trading Fletcher Cox. You're going to have to make moves with the 2021 and 2022 seasons in mind because, you know, a general manager's job is to look towards the future. And right now they are not being coached or, or producing to show that they deserve to make the playoffs. And if they were to make the playoffs, how confident would you be that they could actually win anything? So it's just like, yeah, of course you want to make the playoffs every year, but is it worth it for a one and done situation? Is it worth hanging on to a couple of salaries or losing value on a trade 
just to be one and done in the playoffs. And I know that's not the way teams should kind of look at things, but frankly, they're in a situation where they're just not a good squad. And I, I don't know how things get better. I'm not at the point where you can go ahead and tr- I don't think you're going to trade because also what are you going to get back? I mean, when it comes to a tight end, okay, you may be able to get something for Ertz, but I think you get a two poorly, for Zach. want to bring him. Right. Who, who, well, I mean, I think I think when you look at it, if, if you're a good team and you feel like you're one, like this, like the Seahawks are the perfect example. Like the Seahawks could use another tight end. Greg Olson's only there one year rental. Uh, Ertz is a West Coast guy. I think the idea of having a two tight end set for for Russell Wilson would be terrific. Um, you know, I, I think that's a team that you look at and you say, hmm, that makes sense. I think you look at a team like uh, the Dolphins. I think you look at a team like the Colts. Like, there are teams out there who can can win games uh, and put themselves in position with a guy like Zach Ertz who has dependable hands. I mean, right now, yeah, sure, Zach's not playing well, especially on paper, but Carson Wentz is a large part of that disconnect as well. And I think when we break down the film later on this week, we're going to see that this is not solely on Zach Ertz. And and I want to. Here's the second thing I have. So you you say you get I don't know a fourth for Zach Ertz, a fifth for Zach Ertz. You're not going to trade Zach Ertz for less than a second. You're just yeah, not. Yeah. I would. You think somebody's going to go ahead and give a second the way he's playing? Yeah, right now, Doug Doug, Doug Whaley told me he thought that you could get maybe a late first for him. Yeah, I think <laughs> a late second, a late second for for Zach Ertz. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you know. I think. I think you're in a spot right here where look, you'd be surprised. I mean, look, I didn't think that. Um, you know, you never know what guys are going to get traded for in this league, especially when you get desperate. You look at uh, the way the Vikings use draft picks. There are teams out there that use draft picks in a way that are, is kind of stupid. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those situations where you see what, what you can get. Like Fletcher Cox is interesting to me, too, because I wouldn't trade him for less than a second round pick. Like you've got to shop these guys. I'm not saying you have to trade them, but you got to see what's out there at some point. But don't you think that if you're gonna, in order to go ahead and shop the picks, don't you have to have the have confidence in your scouting department to actually make the right picks in the next couple of drafts to go ahead and do this? And with well, the track need, record, well, they but have. here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. You've got to get rid of all that salary anyway, so you can get under the cap. So one way or another, they are cutting guys or they are trading guys. Uh, you might as well trade the guys that have actual value. Um, you know, I think a guy like Malik Jackson, maybe you can get a fifth or a sixth for. Like, there, there's opportunities to not only free up money for next year, but you're getting value. And I don't think Howie Roseman sitting there to himself, man, our scouting department sucks. I shouldn't trade any of these these players. <laughs> like, I don't think that that's a thing, you know? I mean, I think you inherently have to feel like you have some sort of, uh, you know, venom or, or juice uh, in your scouting department to – quote unquote, higher said scouting department. So, um, you know, I like this debate. Uh, It's a nice change of pace for us. But uh, do you have any final words, Chris? They took all the words out of my mouth right now. I'm just, it's, it's, it's almost become conditioned to go ahead and expect the, basically come conditioned to see the, the way this team plays because conditioned to see another loss. And you got the Ravens coming up this week and we're going to talk about that a lot on the upcoming podcast on Thursday, but yeah, um, I'm wholeheartedly expecting to go ahead and talk to have another conversation like this about you next week as well, too. So, yeah, I'm ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look, this Ravens team is going to come in he, into Philadelphia and they are going to fly. So 
it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I'm not really sure that they can do, uh, I, I don't think they can contain Lamar Jackson. So uh, we'll head into the week with that thought. But for Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning into our post game show. You can uh, download Eagles Extra, uh, or you can sign up for Eagles Extra, excuse me, um, at nj.com slash text. You can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. We'll be back on Wednesday, uh, we, or Thursday, excuse me. Man, it's been a long day out here in Pittsburgh. Uh, we will <laughs> see you soon.